Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hello and welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. My name is Mark Daly. I'm your host. Welcome back. It is Sunday night, September 6, 2020. We are in the middle of the Labor Day long weekend here in the USA and Canada. And unfortunately, that means it is the unofficial end of summer, if you want to call it that. Uh, Traditionally, the kids all go back just after Labor Day long weekend. Kids around here in uh, Greater Vancouver and around the province of BC will be going back to school this week in the weird, weird situation that is the, well, 2020 and the pandemic and all that. But let's not talk about that. We're here to talk about Formula One. And I guess if 2020 has been a weird year, then the Italian Grand Prix completely fits in there. It is a completely, I guess, uh, you know, par for the course, uh, considering what we've seen over the past eight and a bit months. But it was a great, great result for Formula One. Maybe not that great for Ferrari. Obviously not that great for Max Verstappen and Red Bull. Not that great for Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas or Mercedes. But for everybody else, it was a cracker and it uh, it reads out of something really, really bizarre if you look at the final race classification. But that notwithstanding, let's let, let's look at this. This is a fantastic podium. Pierre Gasly and the Alpha Tauri winning this race, beating Carlos Sainz by less than a half a second. Lance Stroll in the racing point comes home in P3, only a couple of seconds behind that. Then you got Lando Norris in the second to McLaren in P4. And then you have Valtteri Bottas in the Mercedes P5, Danny Rick in the Renault, uh, Lewis Hamill in P7. Lewis, of course, uh, getting a, uh, a 10 second uh, time penalty for going into the pits uh, uh, when the, the pit lane was closed. The Investor Ben Alcon and the second uh, Renault, then Danny Kvyat, and then Sergio Perez rounding out the top 10. And then just missing out on the points, Nicholas Latifi, the Williams uh, rookie, uh, was, uh, yeah, well, I mean, he was about, uh, about 11 seconds, no, maybe nine seconds behind Sergio Perez. So that's uh, a shame that uh, he wasn't able to uh, you know to, to sneak into the points there of course uh, points are very very uh, difficult and uh, rare for Williams to come by but uh, a good result for the young Canadian my, my fellow Canadian uh, Nick Latifi to, to get as high as he did uh, and I mean for Lance Stroll as well I think uh, two very good uh, results for both uh, Canadian drivers this weekend but let's let's look now at the standings in the in the world championship Unfortunately, it doesn't really close the gap all that much uh, for, for Max Verstappen, who was, well, I mean, he wasn't really taking big chunks out of Lewis's lead. Lewis has sort of been eking out that lead uh, for, for quite a bit, uh, quite a while now. Uh, Max uh, not scoring any points uh, today. Anyways, uh, on top of the Drivers' Championship, you have Lewis Hamilton, 164 points. Uh, Valtteri Bottas has now leapfrogged uh, Max Verstappen to the second in the Drivers' Championship with 117. Max, 110 points. Lance Stroll, fourth in the Drivers' Championship with 57, uh, tied with uh, Lando Norris. And then you have uh, Alex Albon, Charles Leclerc. Charles still in the top 10, uh, despite having some uh, you know pretty rough uh, results and a hard time of it this year. Uh, Pierre Gasly is eighth. 
Ninth is Carlos Sainz, and then tenth is uh, Danny Ricardo. And I should mention that both uh, Carlos Sainz and uh, Danny Ricardo tied on forty-one points apiece. And then in the constructors' championship, well, at least there was a little narrowing of that gap uh, t- today on this uh, this weekend, slightly. Uh, of course, uh, Mercedes not really taking home too many points, so there that that was good. But let's be honest and let's be uh, realistic here nobody's going to catch uh, Mercedes in the constructors championship although you know we're only about a third of the way through the season so far but the silver arrows 281 points uh, red bull 158 uh, mclaren renault one no sorry 998 i'm going to say 198 uh, no that's a little bit wishful thinking but a very good uh, solid opening uh, phase to the season uh, for uh, mclaren racing point uh, with 82 and then uh, renault are now uh, fifth in the constructors with 71 points. Should mention now that uh, Ferrari only 61 points in the constructors uh, championship after, uh, you know, <laughs> after what we've seen this year. Just absolutely shocking stuff. I don't want to, I, I want to talk about Ferrari. Obviously, we have to because I think this weekend is now absolutely rock bottom for these guys. I mean, it, it's been a bad start to the season so far. They've, they've struggled right from the get go. Even the, uh, the, 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 the upgrades that they were going to bring to the Styrian Grand Prix have been ineffectual. I mean, they, they are so slow now. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. If you look now at the at the lap times that they're putting in, I mean, both uh, Charles Leclerc and uh, Sebastian Vettel didn't make it into Q3. Seb didn't even make it out of uh, Q1. I guess, uh, you know, it was a little bit unfortunate. He kind of got caught up in that uh, train of cars uh, just uh, past Redofilo on the final hot lap. And uh, you had to, I don't know what Esteban Alcon thought, thinks he was uh, doing, but uh, he was kind of messing around with, uh, with Kimi Raikkonen there. And I think I think that uh, you know affected Sebastian Vettel a little bit. I mean, he was uh, a little bit ticked off, and you heard him on uh, race radio. But let's be honest. I mean, uh, <laughs> what we've seen over the past uh, several races, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking that uh, <laughs> realistically, Seb probably could have only hoped for maybe tenth, twelfth, thirteenth, or fourteenth, somewhere in that uh, that that range. Maybe even tenth. Uh, you know, <laughs> that is a, a little bit wishful thinking. It's just crazy, crazy stuff. But when you see how bad they were, I mean, uh, just uh, they're closer, like I say, in lap times, especially in qualifying to Williams than they are to Mercedes or Red Bull or any other of the teams that they've been been fighting and competing with over the past uh, several years. And it just uh, absolutely just uh, blows my mind. And uh, I, I think if I'm Sebastian Vettel, I think I have to be, uh, you know, looking forward to the end of the year and uh, and, and walking away from that, uh, for, from that team. I mean, if they're going to be a couple of years, like they're saying before, they're, they're back in the competitive uh, race winning or podium contending form. That's going to be a long, long time, and that's going to be quite a difficult period. And, uh, you know, maybe if you're, you're Carlos Sainz, after you come home P2 and McLaren, McLaren is, they're, they're getting better and better all the time. They, they've been slowly improving over the past uh, year or two as, uh, you know, Zach Brown, the CEO of McLaren, uh, continues to appoint very good people in important key positions within the team. And we, we saw the improvement last year. We're seeing the improvement this year, despite uh, the offseason predictions that uh, they, they felt themselves internally that they weren't uh, really going to uh, maybe as much uh, see as, as much um, notable improvement or competitiveness compared to say this time last year as they throw all their eggs in the basket uh, more or less as they uh, you know work to design a uh, and build a very very good and competitive car for 2022 but i mean this year's car basically a develop well it is a, a development on last year's car next year's car is going to be a development on this year's car 
And it looks for once that after several years of uh, bad cars and, and bad engines in the, you know, what was the Honda at the time? Of course, Honda, completely different story now, uh, of course, uh, in Alpha Tauri and, and, uh, and Red Bull. Um, that's obviously a very good power unit. But, you know, McLaren, when they were partnering up with Honda, not that great. Chassis wasn't that great. The engine, the Honda still hadn't figured it out. But, you know, you, you fast forward a couple of years, uh, Zach Brown, like I say, I mean, I, I can't, uh, you know, praise the guy enough for the the work that he's done to bring in important people and put them in the right positions and they're starting to to see the fruits of that labor. Anyways, uh, Charles Leclerc, I mean, pardon me, uh, Carlos Sainz, he, he might be having, uh, you know, buyer's regret. I guess you could say that a little bit, uh, leaving that team that is uh, doing very, very well. And unless a Ferrari figures something out, that's going to be a bit of a step backwards uh, before they start to uh, go forwards. And, uh, you know, the, the speculation and the things that you keep uh, continuing to read all around, uh, not very uh, flattering. But uh, Sebastian Vettel, I think he nailed it uh, when, when he said uh, more or less that uh, the Italian Grand Prix was a, a blessing, that there were no fans in the stands after the uh, the, the double DNF uh, that they had. I mean, uh, Seb uh, uh, suffered brake failure uh, fairly early in the race, uh, right at Redafilo, crashed with the polystyrene blocks there at the escape road. And that's where Marcus Erickson had that big crash a couple of years ago. And then uh, Charles Leclerc had a big accident in parabolica and uh, crashed into the uh, into the tires there brought out uh, not just a safety car but uh, a full-on red flag and uh, stopped the, uh, the, the the race session uh, for for quite a while uh anyways uh, sebastian had to say quote i think this year is very different i think probably in that regard it is good that there are no fans. Life is like this. It always depends on where you're looking. I think even if at the moment professionally there are not many good things, there are always some positives. So it's just a question what you focus on. Certainly it was tough for us all because our main focus is on the car and the race, especially racing at Monza. But we have to keep our head up and look forward to next week and look at the positives, even if there are very few, end quote. So there you go, Sebastian, not being all that. Well, I mean, he's trying to draw some positives out of negatives, but let's face it, there's a, not a lot of positives going around for Ferrari at the moment and uh, like I say this has to be a low point rock bottom in a season that has been pretty bad and uh, very forgettable thus far anyways time for a break here on the overtime media network don't go away we'll be back in just a moment passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And yes, uh, Charles Leclerc, let's uh, talk quickly about uh, Charles. Uh, obviously, Chuck had a huge crash in the in, in the race at, uh, you know, one of the very, very high, well, I mean, it's all high speed at, uh, at Monza, but uh, coming through uh, Parabolica, uh, he, uh, he, he openly admits it. I, I love this about Charles Leclerc. He's very humble, I think, and he's uh, more than willing to uh, accept, uh, uh, you know, accept uh, the responsibility for a mistake that uh, that he make made and again with uh, Sebastian uh, retiring early in the race with the with the uh, brake issues this was the first uh, double DNF that uh, Ferrari have had at, uh, at Monza or sorry at the Italian Grand Prix since 1995 when uh, Gerhard Berger and uh, Jean Alesi uh, retired from the lead and uh, Gerhard was in, uh, in P2 so uh, well I guess the silver lining in this one is uh, the, that it actually wasn't a technical issue I, I was thinking at the time well you know not only are these cars are uh, bloody slow but uh, now they appear to be de- just downright dangerous uh, because you know we saw Seb's uh, brake failure not uh, not that long before Charles had that huge crash. Anyways, the, the the young Monegasque had to say, quote, I tried to push, but I lost it in parabolic and crashed. Yeah, a bit of pain here and there, but overall I'm okay. Thank you very much. I lost the rear. It is simple as that. It's my mistake. I just lost the car. It's my fault. It was a very difficult race, uh, to be honest. I struggled throughout on the first set of soft tires. Then I thought we were unlucky with the safety car, but with the pit lane closed, we were actually pretty lucky. Then with the hard tires, I struggled massively, end quote. So um, Leclerc, he pitted on lap 17, and then uh, there was a, they brought a safety car in lap 20, and that was uh, because uh, Kevin Magnuson uh, had to retire, and then that kind of uh, you know it, it kind of caused a little bit of a pandemonium. Just to ask uh, <laughs> ask uh, Lewis Hamilton about that. Anyhow, uh, it, it was only uh, you know when they got back out, it was. Um, it was just a really, really difficult uh, to watch if you're a fan of uh, Ferrari. And they're, they're coming up next week. Uh, we're, we're going to Mugello for the Tuscan Grand Prix. That is going to be Ferrari's 1,000th Grand Prix in uh, in Formula One. And this is a race that we're actually going to see some fans in the stands for the first time in 2020. You know, not, not all that many, of course, and they're all going to be uh, socially distanced and all that. But, I mean, uh, the, the fact of it's uh, one person or 3,000 people, which I believe is the, the amount of people that are going to be able to, to go and watch this one. You know, or even if they're all at home, I mean, it's it's got to be tough for Ferrari to know that not only are they letting down themselves, but the the very passionate uh, Tafosi, and it just uh, it just never ceases to amaze me. I, I think I've been saying this, uh, you know, almost ad nauseum uh, throughout the season so far, just uh, just how bad and just uh, how far that they've uh, sunk down through the uh, through through the grid and through the race order in a, in a very very short amount of time. It really is shocking stuff, and uh, you can see why. Uh, people like Christian Horner and 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 uh, and Total Wolf, they keep uh, talking about this. Uh, you know, they they still seem to be a little bit salty and a little bit. Uh quite upset about this whole secret uh, agreement uh, that Ferrari had with the FAA when, uh, you know, whatever came, uh, you know, whatever came out of that investigation with the power units. And, uh, you know, that that's been out there for a very, very long time. But, you know, it, uh, it it really does make you wonder. And, you know, no pun intended, where there's smoke, there is, uh, there's got to be fire. And the fact that, uh, you know, they they are just uh, so slow, uh, and and just, uh, you know, just do not have the powers anywhere else. I mean, it's not just all down to this, the chassis. It's not just down to the tires it's it's a combination of everything but uh, when you see like last year when we knew that uh, that they already uh, did, did not have the best aerodynamic package in the team but you, you look at how 
Charles, a year ago at this very same event, managed to keep Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas at arm's length. And not only that, I mean, it wasn't like he was a mobile uh, chicane driving around Monaco or Hungary or somewhere, the one of these other tracks, which is notoriously difficult to, to, to pass. He did it on one of the, you know, the fastest tracks uh, of the year, the fastest track. And, uh, you know, there there are opportunities uh, to, to pass, especially at the uh, the end of the, 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 the start-finish straightaway when you go to Redofilo. And uh, that is a place where we've seen guys, you know, especially where they get into the draft, they've got DRS. And we, we can see overtakings uh, happening there at the uh, at the end of the straightaway. But still, I mean, he was able to pull away from them, especially in these uh, long straightaways and even some of the, the long sweeping fast corners that we see at Monza. But now, uh, I mean, a year later, they're, they're going the, uh, the opposite uh, direction. So anyways, I said that I didn't want to uh, dwell long on Ferrari. And here we are halfway through the show. And <laughs> I've just finished uh, going on and dwelling on Ferrari for much longer than uh, I really had intended. Uh, but anyhow, when, when you have a big team like that sink down as far as they have, I mean, it, it obviously deserves attention. We need to talk about it. Anyways, Pierre Gasly, he, uh, he won the race and, uh, you know, the, it, good for him. And this is a guy a year ago that looked like, uh, you know, he was uh, sliding down through the the order himself, through the preference after losing his seat at Red Bull and swapping uh, places uh, with, with Alexander Albon. And uh, really, I mean, uh, brilliant stuff. I mean, I think that this is the kind of race that uh, that, that that Formula One really needed. Of course, the way that it happened uh, with uh, with the, the the big crash involving Charles Leclerc, nobody ever wants to see that. I mean, uh, Charles is damn lucky he walked away that with just a, a little bumps and bruises here and there because it could have been a lot lot worse. Anyways. I guess uh, you know it does make a bit of a case for the the, the whole reverse grid concept. Although I, I'm not completely 100% sold on the idea, you know, if uh, say you had the, you know, the, the Mercedes cars are the two fastest ones and, uh, you know, they ended up at the back of the grid because, uh, you know, they, they flip the order. Then you have Lewis who is fast. It ends up starting at the back, regardless if you're Lewis Hamilton uh, or, or not. I mean, to go all the way from the back to uh, to, 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 to end up, uh, you know, to, to win that race, that would be exceedingly difficult. I mean, the only way that I could see that these guys would, uh, you know, the, this would kind of work. And, and and this is where I think maybe the neat kind of cool twist to it is that you don't necessarily want to have to, uh, to, to, to qualify as fast as uh, you can. You don't want to have that, that fastest lap, but you probably want to qualify where you're somewhere, you're, you're going to target a certain time so that maybe you're, you're not going to be say going slowest. I mean, that you just could go around slowest, uh, you know, on purpose. Uh, so you could start at the pole, but I think you'd have to set a target time where you would set yourself up in a place where you don't leave yourself too much work uh, and too many cars that you need to pass because you wouldn't want to set the fastest time around Monaco because it doesn't matter if you're Lewis Hamilton and it doesn't matter if you have a Mercedes, you're not going to pass 19 other cars around Monaco. So you would want to, you know, you would want to qualify somewhere with one of the slower times. So you would end up somewhere towards the front of the grid and then uh, leave yourself less work uh, to either pass cars on the track or maybe succeed with uh, something, uh, you know, in, in the pits with the undercut or the overcut. Anyways, it, it was kind of cool how it, it, it worked out with the red flag, and then you had the uh, uh, you know the the uh, the, the ten second uh, time penalty uh, to, to Lewis Hamilton, and Lewis uh, went 
all the way back to the, uh, the back of the running order. Anyways, uh, Gasly had to say, quote, it's unbelievable. It was such a crazy race. We capitalized on the red flag. The car was fast out there. We had a pretty fast car behind us. I've been th- through so much in the space of 18 months. My uh, first podium last year, I was already like, wow, with Alpha Tauri. And now my first win with uh, Monza, I'm struggling to realize it, end quote. And, you know, absolutely. You know, I, I think it's uh, great because, I mean, he's been in uh, Formula One for a couple of years ago. He made his debut with the same team, which was Toro Rosso, uh, you know, three years ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he moved up. He had the opportunity to go to Red Bull last year. What with the whole shift in the team and what with uh, Ricardo going to, uh, to, to Renault uh, for, for 2019. And then, you know, it really kind of, uh, you know, it, it was a bit difficult for them because they didn't have a lot of guys with uh, enough super license points. So I don't want to say he kind of walked into it or fluked into that seat. I don't. I, I think that'd be a little bit uh, unfair, but he did struggle initially in, uh, in in the start of the season. I mean, he uh, he crashed at uh, winter testing in in Barcelona, which really messed things up there. And he just never really felt like, uh, or I'm sure he might be, uh, you know, w- would admit it himself. But I mean, from the outside, it looked like he never really got into that rhythm. But uh, still, you know, when he swatched, uh, swapped uh, places with uh, with Alex Albon. Albon looked uh, pretty handy with that, uh, you know, that last, well, it's the last half of the season after the summer break in in, in 2019. And uh, th- this year, you know, you start, you know, when you look at the way that these two guys are going, uh, it, it really kind of makes you wonder, well, did uh, did, did Red Bull maybe uh, give up on uh, Pierre Gasly a little bit uh, too soon? I mean, we've seen them make these uh, these uh, mid-season changes before. I mean, that's how Max Verstappen got his, uh, his drive with uh, Red Bull. And I don't think anybody's going to argue the fact that uh, that swapping Danny Kvyat for Max Verstappen in 2016 was the wrong thing to do. I mean, Max has uh, become almost an instant rock star in Formula One and one of the top drivers. Absolutely uh, justifiable. Anyways, we're going to talk a little bit more about Pierre Gasly, but time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And we're talking Italian Grand Prix. We're talking uh, Pierre Gasly. And uh, yes, yeah, I, I think now, I, you know, could we see them switch Albon out and, and put Pierre Gasly back into that car? I struggle to see that happening, especially right now in 2020. I mean, uh, things have been topsy-turvy enough, but it kind of makes you wonder what uh, what might happen in, in the offseason. I mean, uh, Alex Albon uh, still continuing to struggle. I mean, he, you know, again, he, I think he had some uh, floor damage in the race today and uh, Pierre Gasly. I mean, that notwithstanding, I mean, uh, Gasly's looked uh, pretty racy at, uh, you know, throughout uh, the, the season so far. I mean, he's uh, doing pretty good in the, in the, in the Drivers' Championship. I I mean, obviously, he brought home a big uh, haul of points uh, to get to 25, but I mean, he's sitting on 43 points right now. He's in the top eight. I mean, he's uh, only three points behind uh, Alex Albon in in the Red Bull. And when you think about it, they, you know, uh, he, he should not. Oh, pardon me. He's only he's five points uh, behind uh, Alex Albon. But uh, that that notwithstanding, you would think that uh, that that a guy that's in the in the big team, if you want to call it that, rather than uh, Alpha Tauri, which is uh, you know obviously a development team for. for for Red Bull, that gap should be a, a lot bigger. And then, well, I mean, I think we were having this exact same conversation the, a year ago with the the, the, the roles reversed. But, uh, you know, congratulations to, uh, to, to to Pierre Gasly. It's always good to see a driver get their first uh, victory. 
and uh, certainly it's a uh, very very uh, nice to see so interesting to see what uh, what might happen to, to him and uh, where his career uh, might go anyways uh, Carlos Sainz comes home in, in P2 which his uh, best uh, results in Formula 1 his previous best was P3 in Brazil last year and he said he's halfway disappointed and you can understand why I guess he felt like uh, he, he had a legit shot uh, to uh, to win that one anyways uh, Carlos had to say quote it is incredible I'm halfway disappointed with P2 as you would not believe that I can ha- I had a chance to fight for victory today we were very very close but honestly with the normal race I think I would have been P2 behind Lewis because we had a really really good pace so I think it is what we deserved uh, anyways uh, Sainz went on to talk about uh, everything after the, uh, the, the the restart he said quote with Pierre in the front I was like whoa how could that happen but I guess we had a bit of bad luck with the safety car then we did a good job to recover it after the red flag I'm very happy with P2 as I could have uh, we've been super quick all weekend and I felt like I could uh, dominate the midfield pretty easy today so I have to be happy about that end quote uh, yeah so I mean uh, you can understand that I mean a, a good result but uh, obviously he had the, he feels he had a legit uh, shot at the lead or the and, and the victory and certainly I, I think that uh, you know that you know I think he could feel like uh, that but uh, it's a good good result for uh, for McLaren and uh, also Lando I had a good one, a good, uh, good result as well. And, uh, you know, I, it's good to see McLaren coming back. And uh, it's really going to be interesting to watch them next year when they get the uh, the, the Mercedes engines uh, back in the car. So it uh, it was, you know, like I say, it it's good to see him. And you have to think that uh, what with the McLaren going so good, Charles must be having some doubts and some concerns, obviously, about what's uh, going on uh, with with Ferrari. And, uh, (laughs) well, I guess it's too late now. He can't change. He's uh, going to uh, have to make the the, the most of it. Anyways, uh, he did have to say after the race as well, uh, quote, I had raging myself and again thinking about the bad luck and the season and everything. I knew I had to start a four-lap old medium tire, which is not easy. And I knew that the two Alfa Romeos of Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi in front of me, I had new softs so he was um, he was a little bit uh, I th- think frustrated and upset uh, about uh, the way that it worked out with the safety car but uh, again the the result at the end uh, was uh, disappointing but it was good but uh, perhaps uh, disappointing in a, in a certain way for Charles sorry <laughs> Carlos Sainz getting mixed up with these guys Anyways, uh, Max Verstappen, a bad, bad day for him. Didn't even qualify all that well for the race. He said it was a bleep day uh, when he uh, because he had a DNF. Uh, he uh, just, you know, he's he's been close to the Mercedes through uh, the, the last number of uh, races. Obviously, one, it's uh, Silverstone a couple of weeks ago. But he just uh, really struggled at, uh, at at Monza all weekend long. He had a bad start, and he dropped from fifth to seventh, and it didn't really get uh, any uh, better than that. Uh, he said, uh, quote, it was a pretty uh, beep it away day. Uh, first, we had a very bad start when I uh, dropped the clutch. I had a lot of wheel spin as the engine was hot somehow. And then from there on onwards, we got uh, stuck in the DRS train. You can't uh, pass around here then. After the red flag in the second start, when I accelerated, I had a problem with the engine. So we tried to solve it, and uh, but it didn't go away. We had to retire the car, end quote. So, yeah, it was uh, not not a great weekend for Red Bull, uh, just in, uh, in general. And obviously one for uh, uh, Max uh, to forget. Oh, this is when I got my notes out of order here. Um, Andreas Seidel, uh, team principal of uh, McLaren, says uh, that his team was only second to Mercedes.
Mercedes in terms of competitiveness at uh, at the Italian Grand Prix. And uh, he said that they could have even had a better result in a normal race. I don't know what <laughs> what could have been better with uh, with a P2 for Carlos Sainz and a P4 for Lando, unless uh, maybe he's thinking that uh, they, they could have had uh, both of them on the podium. Anyways, Seidel had to say, quote, a very short period of disappointment. We go away from here with lots of positives because in the end of the day, we scored some very important points for the Constructors' Championship. And I think the most important thing from today is we actually had a very competitive car. And behind Mercedes, I think we have uh, been the second strongest force today, which is great to see. And again, another great confirmation that we made a good step forward with the car in the winter, end quote. Yeah, I mean, obviously that uh, he's echoing the the, the sentiments of uh, Carlos Sainz, that they were very, very close to uh, to, to winning that race. And uh, who knows, maybe if that race went five laps longer, that uh, Carlos uh, might have been able to to, to pass uh, Gasly for the lead and uh, bring it home uh, uh, to the check and flag first. But still, he didn't have five more laps, and it is uh, what it is. Uh, anyways, uh, Lance Stroll, the Racing Point uh, driver, said that uh, he was, uh, well, he, he rude missing the opportunity to score his, uh, his first win in Formula One and said that uh, the race was his to lose after the, 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 the restart, after the red uh, car uh, p- period. And, uh, well, it's, uh, yeah. I guess uh, obviously disappointing uh, result for for some guys on uh, or bittersweet I guess obviously for uh, both uh, Science and uh, Lance Stroll obviously both of them felt that was a race that kind of maybe got away from them anyways uh, Stroll had to say quote it's been a, cra- a couple of years since I stood on the podium so it feels good to be back and it was such a crazy race I'm so happy for Pierre he really deserved it as he had a really great start he stayed consistent all the way through the race it is a bit of a bummer I think it was kind of mine to lose starting from the second but I just had no grip at the start I ton of wheel spin and everyone flew by me i had a good scrap with carlos on the first couple of laps and i overtook uh, around the outside uh, but he got me again down into turn one we were battling out there so i'm happy to pick up third i think we uh we uh the wind slipped away from us today but third is great end quote yeah disappointing uh for for lance but uh, when, when you look at uh, the combined age of those uh, three guys on the podium i think it worked out to something like a uh, 70 years or 71 years of uh you know all three ages of those guys uh combined so it uh, could be kind of a, a look into what could be an exciting future in Formula One uh, if these guys, uh, you know, can uh, deliver similar uh, results in races uh, in in the future. Anyways, um, uh, Mercedes uh, did explain uh, what they said were weird events that led to uh, Lewis Hamilton's uh, stop-go penalty uh, for entering the pit lane while it was closed. So he was actually in the lead. He was over 10 seconds clear of the, the rest of the field at, uh, at during the race when the safety car was uh, deployed, when uh, Kevin Magnuson had to uh, park up uh, on the side of the track just near the pit entry. So anyways, uh, race control decided to uh, deploy the safety car and then pretty much uh, right thereafter, only about uh, 10 or 15 seconds later, closed the pit lane, uh, which uh, means that the, the drivers uh, could, uh, you know, could not uh, come into the pit lane so they could actually get... Uh, Magnuson's car out of the way uh, safely. Anyways, Hamilton came into the pits after uh, missing that uh, that that signal, and then he was uh, handed a, that 10 second stop go penalty, which left him uh, 25 seconds off the back of the field after he came in right after the restart after the red flag. So, I mean, it was good for Lewis to get all the way back up to to, to seventh place, but at that point, uh, it was probably just better for him just to to rip the band aid off and just to get it over with, and then uh, just kind of be in uh, damage. Uh, 
control. Anyways, uh, Total Wolf uh, had to say, quote, it was a weird sequence of events that maybe we could have spotted earlier. The decisions that were taken were highly unusual, but they were absolutely within the rules. One of the Haas cars was parked to the right near the entry on the inside of Parabolica, and there was a single yellow. 11 seconds later, the safety car was deployed. Once the safety car was deployed, they put the entry to the pit lane on red, but it wasn't exactly red. It was two yellow crosses on the outside. One of the strategists just shouted into the radio whilst we were entering the pit lane. Uh, there was confusion. We can't see the signs, and there's just a sequence of events that screwed Lewis's race. Not happy, but you have to take it on the chin, end quote. So, yeah, it's, uh, I guess uh, he tried to take advantage of that, but uh, just uh, caught out and uh, must be obviously uh, very uh, frustrating. But like I say, I mean, he dropped all the way to the back, and he was going to have to take that penalty at some some point and uh you know he he's got points he's got such a huge lead in the championship that uh although i'm sure he was uh, really gunning to win uh, grand prix number 91 which he's going to get it obviously at some point uh, but uh you know he, he had to do it he had to like uh, toto said uh, drop or take it on the chin and uh, the points that uh, that he dropped, uh, obviously, from finishing seventh rather than uh, right up uh, towards the, the top of the running order uh, or winning the race, which, uh, you know, has usually been the case this year. You know, he, he can afford to drop those points. I mean, at the end of the year, I mean, is really anybody going to bet against uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, winning the championship? I mean, I'm certainly not going to at this point. I mean, there's just... Uh, you know, unless he hits some bizarre form of a bad luck that, uh, that, that with the reliability on the car or other unfortunate and, and bizarre circumstances with the safety car, he's going to win the championship. And uh, and if he drops some points here and there along the way, then he still has that cushion and he can afford to, to, to do so. Anyways, uh, Lewis uh, did say after the race uh, that he, he did go and speak to the, the, the stewards to understand why they uh, slapped him with that 10-second stop-go uh, penalty because he didn't see that red light at the the pit entries. Uh, anyways, Lewis had to say, quote, I came back, spoke to the team. They didn't have any video. I just wanted to see what had uh, been missed. I could have sworn on the entry to the pit lane there was no red light. It wasn't to see Michael Massey. It was to see the other stewards who had made the decision with the penalties. They just quickly showed me on the onboard that there were two signs that had an X on it. I actually didn't see them because I was looking elsewhere. There was not uh, really much more for me to do, so I just went left, went back, got changed, and that's ultimately why I was a little bit late to the grid, end quote. So there you go. I guess, uh, obviously, he was a little bit uh, confused, and it just also goes to show you that uh, no matter how good you are, even if you're Lewis Hamilton, uh, occasionally things don't, uh, don't go your way, but uh, obviously frustrating for, for him. But uh, yeah, like I say, he's uh, dropped uh, you know a handful of points uh, today. But uh, ultimately, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference to the outcome of the World Championship uh, for this year. Anyways, that's it for the show tonight. Our 2020 Italian Grand Prix race recap is in the bag. Thank you so very much uh, for downloading and listening to the show. If you want to get in touch, as always, please do so by sending me a tweet at ScuderiaF1Pod on the Twitters or email me at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. Anyways, that's a wrap. Look out for the regular show towards the end of the week. And until then, enjoy your Monday, Tuesday, wherever you are. Enjoy the rest of the long weekend if you're in the, uh, the USA or Canada. And I'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.